Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast and myself, Roy Shanahan and Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. Now, the FAI Cup second round draw was made. The first round didn't make too many impressions when the draw came out, but Nathan, this one's a hell of a draw. Yeah, there's some definitely uh, more exciting on paper, isn't it? Look, we'll just run through it. Uh, we can suppose, we can stop, we can pick out what we think. I'm sure there's not going to be many arguments about what the tie of the round is, but look, we we'll just throw into it. Uh, the Leicester Donna uh, Kearney were drawn at home to Wexford, and we have uh, UCD. This is one of the games that, you know, it could stand out. UCD would be hosting Longford Town, should be a good game. Uh, Cork City, obviously, they provided the shock result of the first round, beating Sligo Rovers away from home. They got given a home draw this time around against St. Patrick's Athletic. Then, of course, the one I think that caught everybody's eye, the big Dublin derby, Bohemians against Shamrock Rovers. That should be an absolute cracker. And one of the big teams we'll be leaving early on in the competition. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, Cole Ramblers will be making uh, a long trip again to, to face a uh, non-league side. This time, they'll be facing the new University Town. Then we have another derby, as Finn Hearts will be hosting Derry City. The draw hasn't been too kind of Derry at the moment. You know, two difficult away toys if we draw it and Finn Hearts. Then we move on to Dundalk, he's playing uh, amateur Dublin side St. Moffat's in Oriel Park. And then to round it up, Waterford, fresh off that absolute cracking game against Athlone, will be hosting Kilnamana. Yeah, so the first round, we talked about it. It wasn't very kind, I suppose, to the non-league sides. This time, it's been really kind. And Waterford, Kilnamana, uh, Dundalk and Moctis, they're the kind of games that we wanted for the first round draw. Uh, Minute now play Cove at home. And uh, that'll be an interesting one, actually, because Cove, yeah. as I said, haven't been firing all cylinders. So uh, that's probably the one that's most likely to get a bit of a shock. Cork against Pats, Nathan, could you see another upset? Um, I, you'd be a bit more cautious. I, I, I've certainly I've been a St. Pats fan. I think if Pats would get that draw in the fourth round, you'd be you know, thinking, oh, brilliant. You know, it's, it's, you'll always do look for a home draw, obviously, but Cork City, just looking at their, their league position, you know, it's on paper, it's not the worst side to be uh, facing, but yeah, you know, they were certainly underestimated against Sligo. I still think for Pats, it definitely could have been worse. You know, they avoided the likes of Bohemians, Rovers, Dundalk. So, yeah, there's an element of caution, but it certainly could have been worse in the same Pats point of view. Yeah, and of course, Colester uh, play Wexford, so maybe uh, maybe that one has a, a hint of joint killing there as well. So, yeah, no, that's uh, interesting. And I think it's the end of August, am I right, Nathan? I think it's the end of August that yeah, those games yeah, are played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weekend ending in uh, August 29th. Okay, so yeah, no, that's an interesting draw and uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, just before we go off the FAI Cup, the Athlone and Waterford game, Nathan, an unbelievable finish. Everyone has seen it at this stage. But one of the most amazing things was the sending off of Anthony Wordsworth uh, for nothing. Yeah, for nothing. That's, uh, I think that's an understatement, isn't it? And if only we knew, we, we were sort of naive at the time, aren't we? We were doing a, a live uh, sports bar show, which everyone should check out. If you don't, we, we do a live in a Friday night after the League of Ireland game. And while we were doing the show, the game was an extra time, and we were just sort of giving each other score updates, but not knowing the actual carnage that was going on uh, behind the scenes. But yeah, going back to this red card, 
absolutely bizarre. I had to watch the, the clip on Twitter a couple of times, to be honest, just to, to get what it's about. Uh, in fairness to, to, to Anthony uh, Woodworth, he even shared the clip himself and made a bit of a jab at, at the official, you know, um, saying, sort of, don't be quote and funky, but suggestion that, you know, it was such a ridiculous decision and uh, now Anthony's going to miss out on a game next week, but this official will still be out officiating games. It sort of goes to the point that we were talking about a few weeks ago, wasn't it? We were mentioning the, the standard of officiating mm-hmm. in the League of Ireland and talking about, you know, further education and even punishments and, you know, if they start reprimanding the referees when you get someone didn't wrong because it was absolutely egregious. It really, really was. I suppose, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, go check the video out. But just to give you a quick little rundown in warts, was, um, one of their Waterford players sort of took a touch, uh, just about kept the ball in play, but the ball was definitely still in play. And then passed the ball to Anthony Woodworth, who then sent the ball up the pitch to one of the teammates. So at the time, Anthony was on a yellow card and the referee judged that the ball went down play. Uh, so he felt it was just a case of Anthony Woodward kicking the ball away and he felt there was a second yellow and he's seen red. Uh, yeah, absolutely crazy decision. I, I, I'm going to pass it up to you now in a second. I'm sure you're not going to disagree too much, but yeah, it really just goes down to the, first, the poor standards of officiating that has been in this league for as long as I can remember. I know I've only been a fan since 2003, so I'm sure there's guys listening into the podcast that have been fans longer than myself and yeah, testify to, to that uh, reputation that the, the officials have in this league. It's just such a such a shocking standard, and decisions like this do no favors to you know to change that uh, perspective. Yeah, even if the ball went out of play, even if that ball went out of play, the ball was passed back to him, and he played a first time ball up the line. It, it wasn't kicking the ball away. You know, anyone can see that that's not kicking the ball away. I had to watch it three, four times to look at the ball on the line to see if there was any hint of me thinking that it would have been over the line because the very first time I seen it, nah, that's not gone over the line. It's not even, you know, half over the line, you know. And so three, four times I watched it and I went, no, it's not. So I don't know if the linesman put his flag up or not. I didn't get to see that. I'd be interested to know if if he put his flag up or not and if anyone does know it, send in comments uh, about that. But I, yeah, I, 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 I'm just baffled. Like a referee has to have some sort of common sense, and if he booted up in the sky miles down, you know, it was a pass up the line, you know, pass into someone's feet. It just, it's, it's baffling. And you're right, it, it, to, to call it's shocking refereeing. Does there need Nathan to be a bit of money put into these referees? Do referees need to be, you know, I suppose educated more and maybe looking towards, you know, more of a, a full-time look into our referees? I'd love to see, we've even said when we are chatting here, I think education is a big thing, but I'd also think that there needs to be a clamp down in terms of punishment. You're never going to truly learn from these mistakes. And look, we said it before that, you know, human error is a thing. And referees are going to make mistakes and they're going to make decisions, but this is just egregious. This was just an absolute shocking decision. Like you said, it's not like it was Atlanta on the attack in the 90th minute and he booted the ball down the pitch, you know. Clearly, it was a pa- even if the ball went out of play, it's clearly just an attempt to get the ball up to, to uh, one of these strikers or attacking players. Uh, so, yeah, like there has to be money put into further education. And again, I did see, not many people now, I will say, but I did see the people, you know, jumping on and saying the league needs more equipment, they couldn't, they, you know, 
VAR is always going to be something that's going to be mentioned when something like this happens. That's not going to change anything. If the standard of refereeing is still low, bringing this sort of technology is probably going to hinder them more. It's going to slow up the process. So we need to, like you said, make investment in education and improving it in making sure these referees are possibly going full-time and not trying to balance a work life and a refereeing life, whether that be, you know, to get more exposure, even down in the life of length of senior football and months of senior football and their uh, experience level is improving. And, you, you know, these sort of things that you improve with repetition and over time. So whether it is a case of lack of education or lack of experience on the behalf, because... I think when you have experience, common sense comes into play. And from what he's saying about this decision, there was just a serious lack of common sense that was taken into focus. Yeah, I'm sure the money isn't there for all these referees to go full time, but I'm sure there's enough money there to be able to give them, uh, I suppose, a full time outlook. If you want to, if you want to call it that, that they be asked to do extra work to work on their refereeing skills whether that's courses whether that's whatever it is that is going to improve them and yeah maybe there's sort of uh, remuneration that they get a few quid back and you know or an extra few quid whatever it is they, they have to put more work into it they get a few quid for it that's fine that's what we want obviously full-time referees cost a fortune to the league I don't think that's going to happen but refereeing standards have to improve and this season alone, we've some, seen some absolutely shocking, shocking uh, decisions. So let's hope that's sorted out anyhow. And that's just another one of those decisions. Nathan, League of Ireland, common goal campaign. What's going on? Yeah, so SEC Electricity announced this, I believe it was the end of last week, wasn't it? And, you know, we, we were chatting a little bit off here. We just wanted to get more, you know, information and facts together and see what's happening. But, yes, uh, look, we, we'll, we'll talk to the programme itself. SSA Tristy have officially launched a common goal programme. But this will see uh, Premier Division sides, Fourth Division sides and Women National League sides helping to build a more sustainable football community. So what it entails is six players will compete in monthly challenges with different teams around those challenges. Some teams could be... Uh, Things like biodiversity, uh, water efficiency, transport sustainability, and energy efficiency. And that's okay, Roy. I don't know what those words mean either. So we're going to be learning together. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the players involved are uh, David Cawley, Slugger Rovers, Treaty United goalkeeper, Tyler Ryan, Keith Buckley, uh, Bohemian's uh, main man, Jack Heaney star, uh, Jack Heaney star, UCD star, Jack Heaney, uh, Shauna Fox, who plays the Galway's women's team, and Sarah McKevitt who plays football with Cork City's uh, women's team. SSA Tristy have committed uh, 55,000 to support the clubs in any environmental uh, initiatives. And the club that makes the most effort throughout this uh, common goal programme, which I'd like to know what's the best effort is it many hours you put in, this and that, so you actually didn't really see them establish much more information than best effort. But uh, the team that does put in the best effort will be given 25,000 euro to make improvements to the premises and um, make them more energy efficient and improve their carbon footprint. So, uh, yeah, look, I think these things in common world, a uh, common world we find ourselves in, I suppose, wouldn't pose a question to these football teams, do they have a more of, um, you know, expectancy, I'd say, could be the word, um, to do a bit off the field, you know, we. Wouldn't you know? I think I've done an article about it uh, a while ago. You know, 
how football and uh, can help the world itself and climate change, like you're seeing the team like Forest Rovers, uh, Forest Green Rovers over in England, they've gone fully vegan, so you know, we're seeing this element come in today, they're more sustainable in terms of using wind power uh, to, to run their, their floodlights and things like that. So do these teams, do you think, you now here and back home at the League of Ireland, do we have a commitment to the communities and to doing a bit off the field to improve the environment? Yes, is the answer. I think every, football clubs around the country, Gaelic as well, it's not just a, 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 our football, they're there to set examples. They're there, they're bringing up the, the youth, um, the future, and if they set examples, then this is the sort of thing that's going to be, you know, just basically in your, your, your DNA then, just to make sure that you're looking after the planet, looking after your, lo- your, your local uh, parks or, you know, even in your own house, you know, doing your own, dividing out your own recyclables and stuff like that, you know, just down to the general thing. I've seen the videos on this. Generally, they're all doing their little bits and pieces. So, you know, whether it's cleaning up rubbish in their local area or, you know, putting up, you know, what do you call them, little board houses and stuff like that. So kind of just help and be, be more conscious about the environment around you. I think Keith Buckley was doing his one. He was out on, uh, oh God, was it Dunleary or, or, or Dolly Mount? I can't remember. It might have been Dolly Mount. And he, he was picking up litter, but he actually wasn't. He was the one on the camera talking and he had his girlfriend in the background picking all the litter up. So, <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be clever. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's a good thing. I think it's something that's positive. I think schools do it so why shouldn't football clubs anything that's connected to you know educating and educating their young people uh, you know I think it's important you know and I think everyone should get sort of involved you know um, there's probably far too many people dumping and not enough people cleaning up so uh, yeah I think yeah, what's, yeah, what's I, your I, thoughts? I, I, yeah and I think it's actually it's a probably good time that you, you mentioned keep up the day um, and before, you know, like, in fairness, I'm sure we look into every League of Ireland club, you know, like everyone has done a little bit of, you know, in terms of improving, the, helping to improve the community and, you know, link up with charities. So this isn't, you know, if anyone's listening in and like, ah, oh, well, my club does this. It's not, you know, we're not trying to pick anyone out, but I think Bohemians really do lead the way uh, in this league and in terms of uh, community uh, development and the uh, trying to, you know, do a bit for the local, local uh, activism and social activism and things like that, you know. Uh, even going to the, as far as, you know, the climate change, he brought in a climate justice uh, officer the season, Sean McCabe. Uh, when it was announced, there was obviously a couple of giggles around and, you know, the whole, the trope of the hipster club came back up again, which, you know, it's always fun to uh, chant and things like that as being um, an opposing fan of Bohemians, but Again, like I said, it, it does go back to setting a standard, doesn't it? And showing that it's more than just what you do on the field, what you want to feel. Because a lot of young kids, um, they associate with the players and they associate with these clubs. And if if they look at you know these players as you know role models in a way, it, it can only benefit them. And they're seeing these people going out and taking the rubbish in the beach and doing their bit. It's brilliant. It's always even away from climate change. Both have been fantastic in terms of the where it was cried merchandise. Uh, the Blind Football Academy, the author brought in um, commentary for people that are visually impaired. Their wages this season has, uh, has raised over 15,000 euro for Focus Ireland. 
there are multiple anti-racism uh, messages. That's about even part of their work that can deal with the Bohemian Foundation. So it really is a club that um, I think we could all look at a little bit. And like I said, every club has done that bit. I'm not saying Bowles invented social activism, um, but we really have a standard model for me in the league when it comes to these sort of initiatives that you pick up because I've said it a couple of times here now, I think that the community um, spirit around League of Ireland is, is, is made the benefit. I think it's a model that I'd like to see clubs all around the league pick up, you know, and it's proven. I think a lot of clubs now have community development offices in place in terms of, you know, going to schools and helping out youth clubs and all sorts of things. So if, if you can balance in, uh, you know, trying to help the environment, trying to improve a club's carbon footprint, but also help out in the charity aspect and help those in need in the community, it can only help because these clubs are community institutions. And to build up a strong relationship with the community is absolutely vital. Uh, but it's vital. Uh, it's just, it's what the league's all about, in my opinion. And when the league is working right, that's the aspect behind it. When a club and community are in hand together, that's when you see the league working that set. Yep, um, total agreement. And any club that is inclusive of all and everyone, I think, yeah, yes, and you have to, you have to give them a, a clap on the back. And you know, every club should be doing their little bit just to make sure that you know. Again, we talk about the community. Get the community behind you. Uh, you look after them, and they'll look after you. So yeah. Absolutely, round of applause, and it'd be interesting to see—is uh, this a short-term thing or a long-term deal? Okay, the Olympics are underway. Uh, Nathan, Ireland aren't in it. Why is it? Yeah, um, I suppose I can't do it with the football. I wouldn't get many people listening in about. Uh, I'm not sure we have a, 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 a high <laughs> I, I, listenership I in the swimming. No, I, 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 and if if you are, I think you click on the wrong thing. Stay, stay and listen to us, but I think you're looking for a different podcast. But we're happy to have you, no matter what the sport is. Yeah, look, I suppose the Ireland uh, football team, the history just isn't there at all. We made our Olympic debut in 1924 in Paris. Uh, made it all the way to the quarterfinals. We were beaten by the Netherlands um, 2-1. Uh, that was our first ever Olympics under the Ireland name. Any previous football tournaments we walked in the Great Britain. So that was a, a major milestone, I suppose, in Irish history, sport and history. Then our second and final appearance in the Olympics was way back in 1948 in London. Uh, we only made it to the qualifying round. Again, Netherlands beat it uh, 3-1 this time in Fratton Park. Uh, Bobby Smith got the goal on the night. And he, I wouldn't see any all the Bohemian fans listening in, but I wouldn't say there's any Bowles fans since 1948 listening to the podcast. Again, for some reason, if you are, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> um, so yeah, just the, 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 we only ever made two appearances as Ireland uh, in Olympic football. History isn't really there. What do you reckon? Do you think, I suppose there's a couple of questions that I, I, I'd like to bring up in terms of this topic, but the first one, realistically, Ireland football in Paris 2024, what do you make of it? Is it not that you have to qualify through the under-21s yeah. or something like that, isn't that it? Yeah, yeah, because this is uh, one that, I mean, I've foreseen it. I, to be honest, if a, in an Olympic game broke out in my back garden, I probably wouldn't go out to watch it. I caught one of the games in this tournament just by chance, and it's just not much really competitiveness to it. It wasn't really to me like, and I think I was a bit born out as well. I've been watching football all summer with the Euros, uh, the League of Ireland on. Premier League is only around the corner so I think the last thing I really want to be watching 
uh, on a daily basis again it's football where I'm happy enough just watching them on the weekend so that's probably a hint of it as well but yeah look uh, the, the European teams in and out at the moment uh, are Spain, Germany, France and Romania and they all qualified through the uh, the, Euro, the under 21 European Championship uh, in Italy back in 2019 so Spain, Germany, France all top as group in that uh, competition so that's how they find themselves here so and the did, the Re- did Romania get through as well? That's why, yeah, yeah, Spain, Germany, France, and Romania. Okay, right. I didn't yeah, know, yeah. Sorry, Good I, 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 I could have missed, I could have missed them out, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I, I, I see people saying, oh, well, the FBI and Team Oil should send the team. If only it was that easy, if only we could send the team over, um, I'm, I'm sure it's something that could be viable. But the fact that we have to qualify and the fact that um, Ireland, am I right in saying the other 21 have never qualified for a, a major tournament? If the route to the Olympic states the same, uh, and it's not the fact of sending the team off, you have to earn your way there. I don't think the history of Ireland's football in the Olympics is going to be improving anytime soon. No, I think there was, was there under 21 side? Did they not do something along that? I'm going to have to look that up now. Uh, we'll, we'll find out anyhow. But uh, they certainly didn't go to the Olympics anyhow because we haven't had that. Uh, the fortune of being able to cheer our country on in the Olympics, um, and let's let, would you be hopeful with the the younger players that are coming through that this could be the start of something? Yeah, I suppose. Look, we just stick even to the Olympic one. You look at the uh, what's needed for the squad is that the whole squad must comprise of players under the age of twenty three, with three exceptions. You can have three players over the age of twenty three as that sort of experience for the younger lads, and so in the current batch. That had the likes of uh, Gavin Bazuni, Troy Parrott, and um, Omer Be- Bamizeli, he put up his name there for a second on the machine. Um, the likes of Tyreek Roy down the under 21. And there's, you know, there's, there's plenty of lads in uh, academies all around Europe, like uh, John Joe Patrick Flynn, uh, Flynn over in Spain. So there's um, improving, I think, is the word when you look at, uh, well, not the likes of Bazzuni we, we, and, uh, and Troy Perry, you know, we've seen them play in the, in the senior uh, national team, but there's definitely good talent, uh, exciting talent, but certainly improving talent. So, yeah, if you look at what, what's needed for Olympic team, there's certainly names there that could uh, be viable. But again, we're talking just uh, hypothetically uh, or in whatever to make it to the Olympics in 2024. There's definitely some viable names there. Uh, I think even in our own league, you know, again, if the option was sending teams over, personally, I think it's really, really interesting to see uh, an entire league world team be sent over, you know, so uh, probably to, to market the league, to promote the league. You know, we have plenty of exciting teenagers uh, in the league of Ireland, like uh, Johnny Kenny, Ben McCormick, uh, Killian Phillips, Lonan Boyce, just to name a few. So there's definitely some lads um, that are certainly exciting talents in the league and Again, hopefully be in uh, Paris 2024 was ever an option. Yes, it, it, it could be an exciting one, but I, I think that's all it is, really. It's more, more of a toy train at the moment, isn't it? Uh, because our record in the under-21 competition is non-existent at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think we've ever qualified for the the European Championships for the under-21, so that's where you would qualify. Okay, Nathan, transfer news, what have you got? Yeah, transfer news. Um, it's been a busy just over 24 hours from the own team, St. Pat's. Uh, I think I, we were talking when the transfer window first opened in July, it's hit passes one decided that needed to bring some players in, you know, the, the pretty team squad and 
at the time, injuries were around, a couple of suspensions. That's still the case. There's still a couple of injuries in the squad. Uh, the fourth bit of business was bringing in Sam Cordes, who is a highly touted young player. Uh, he made the move from Shamrock Rovers. He's only 15, he's a centre-half. We actually talked about him on the show. Last year, we made League of Ireland debut for Shamrock Rovers B against Athlone in the first division last year. Uh, we were chatting about should a 14-year-old, he's 14 at the time, should he be making his debut uh, in the League of Ireland, playing against men, playing against lads of that calibre, you know, and that physical stature too. Yeah, that's right, I remember so, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, so Sam Coates is coming into um, really developing the uh, same pop team. A lot of young lads getting their opportunity in the first team. I'd be interested to see how quickly Sam uh, gets called up to speed myself. Then the two that came in, I believe today, both of them came in today. First one is um, New Am, Melbourne, Melbourne Lambert, making a ton of the same pots. Uh, That's an interesting one now, isn't it? This is the, this yeah, is the fella from yeah, Malta, Malta, isn't it? No, no, he's the going to get on to next. Oh, we'll uh, get on to Melbourne, him. Lambert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The double barrel uh, knives, that's what caught me out. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Melbourne Lambert, he, oh, Pats fans will definitely remember that he saw him at the start of the season on loan from Reading. Uh, on an, in the, the initial uh, short term loan until June, but he made his return when the loan was up to Redden. But now he makes his return now, the 18 year old striker uh, comes back on loan from passing Redden until the end of the season. He scored one goal and five appearances for the club earlier on. Um, I like the look of him. Again, it's hard to judge really over five appearances and what he's really about. But good physical presence for a young lad, you know, really strong, he's quick. Um, like to drop back deep and uh, get the ball and confident with the ball at his feet. So, yeah, it's a strange one. I wonder does it have anything to do with Ronan Cochran being out injured? He's really struggling with this with a knee injury. And the fact that he left Melbourne Lambert go back to Redden and quickly brought him in. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one for me. Not strange to bring him back, but strange to be letting go and brought him back a couple of weeks later. Yeah. I wonder is that anything to do with is Stephen starting to look at the squad and think, oh, we're a little bit light up front. I wonder is the Cochrane injury a little bit worse than expected. Um, yeah, difficult one to say. But yeah, we move on to uh, Kyron and Volko. That's uh, the guy from Malta that you were mentioning. Oh, yeah, the guy from Malta, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can just edit the fourth bit out there. I don't know if you ever heard of him, right? Uh, with this uh, 24 year old striker comes in on loan from Valletta until the end of the season. He's, he's internationally capped. He made 21 appearances for Malta, scoring three goals in the process. And he has 21 goals in 143 uh, Malta top flight appearances. So probably not the most prolific uh, goal tally in the world. But yeah, again, listening to Stephen O'Donnell talking about him, seems excited, seems happy to have him in. There was talk him going up to Linfield, I believe, up in Northern Ireland. But certain uh, work permit issues in terms of breaks that slowed that move down so yeah made his move and now we're playing in the League of Ireland with St. Patrick's Athletic well, I think it's always difficult to see how the, the lads come into the league will get on but hopefully because like I said I think Pats are pretty light up front I know they're the highest scoring team uh, in the league at the moment which is impressive a lot of lads have been chipping in but you have the likes of Ronan Cochran if he's going to be out long term it, it will be a bit of a um, Bit of an agony issue going forward if Cochrane is going to be missing uh, for more than a second. Well, I'm going to be interested to see him. I have to say, it's just interesting to see someone from outside the league come in and see how they adapt. I mean, we've been looking at Dundalk the whole season, waiting to see who's going to 
spring to life there there's something starting to appear now in, in all fairness we were talking last week about Vindy Parrott doing you know getting a little bit of consistency there so yeah uh, we'll keep an eye out on that one Nathan what about Barry Coffey from Celtic to Cork is, is that a good move who's the best move for him or the club I think for club I'm not too sure if it's a cracking move for the lad coming back on loan you know, he's um, played for Chelsea, he was off at trials, it was big clubs, he was doing big Manchester sides, not Manchester United, Manchester City. Well, it was surprised, I think that was my first reaction to see him uh, making the, the, the long move to Cork City. I think even for Cork, you know, as good as a potential prospect he seems to be, they're certainly crying out for strikes. I don't think Cork City is definitely the position that he thought he would have needed to fill post. Uh, like the Mikey Glennon was kid to come in for trials, that never really went anywhere. And uh, the twenty-year-old lad is now coming in as a midfielder. Yeah, strange one, strange one. Uh, it's not the position I thought he would have been looking to play straight away. And now we have to give a bit of time on the hands. And um, apparently, he spent the first half of the year working Cliftonville. But listening to any reports that came out and people talking about, I'm really impressed working Cliftonville. So, that was the lad is just at the moment now looking to, to get some first-team football under his belt because he's been struggling at the moment to, to break into the first uh, Celtic team. Uh, yeah, interesting to see how it gets on, but really surprised that it's not a striker that they're looking to bring in uh, straight away. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad move for him at all, Nathan. He might be up there struggling now with confidence. Maybe he's not getting in. Maybe they don't see, you know, maybe they're waiting for him to develop. And going and playing some football, like, again, you can play as much under 19s and, you know, B team football and all, but when you go in and play competitive football against proper men, that's where you're going to learn your trade. So this, I think it could be a good thing for both of them. Now, Bastian Heary has signed for Derry City on loan till the end of the season. Nathan, this one that sort of baffled you or sort of surprised you? Yeah, again, it was uh, one when I've seen it happen. I was a bit surprised over. Um, not that he's been lighting things up since signing for Bohemians at the start of the season. He, he's only made five appearances and he's really kicked the ball in those appearances. I think if that comes down, he's probably sorted to a requirement that both. What do you reckon? That's a stack for him is midfield, isn't it? With, with plenty of good attacking options and plenty of players that since he's since he settled midfield now at a key line of six, and I just wonder if that's in here, not really any plans uh, going forward because, yeah, there's, there's plenty of uh, of players catching the eye, isn't there? Uh, Bohemians and here we just hasn't been in them. Well, if you're not performing, you're not in. And if you're not in, you're going to get a bit disappointed and upset and you, you want to play football. So, um, Keith Long's done a fantastic job. He's turned the, the season around and, you know, he's he, he looks like he has the players that he wants to play and looks like he has the players who want to play and want to dig in and want to fight. So, not saying that uh, Bastian here didn't do that, but he's obviously not doing it to the level that, the others are doing it and they've got their place and so be it so yeah it might be a good thing for him and, and again as we said about Rory Higgins he's not doing a bad job of turning him around maybe not as quick as Keith Long but Keith Long has uh, it's a little bit longer in the tooth when it comes to uh, managing in the League of Ireland so yeah it'll be an interesting move and, and it could be a beneficial one uh, Nathan Yeah he's definitely played a mid-game point isn't he um, he's one that he's personally for many times I've seen him, uh, especially in recent years, it's been a little bit frustrating to watch. You know, the, the talent is clearly there. 
I never watched him play with Waterford, and he's an absolutely excellent player. He really he, he ran the show in the middle of the park for Waterford. Even at Limerick, before the end of Waterford, he's very impressive. And he's won, I suppose, you could add, like, a, a junior uh, in stop racking now, uh, even Walter Fitzgerald, I suppose, the Robots. Now, a lot of what we've seen perform in the league, um, well, especially with junior and Walter, is more so over one season. But, you know, we've seen the pedigree in the league. We've seen that we can do it. And whether to be, you know, you know, here we struggle for game time now, but it just hasn't made an impact whatsoever on the whole team. And even these limited chances, they were nothing that ever came out. I mean, he's done nothing whatsoever this season. So, yeah, there's definitely an area of um, yeah, frustration around him, isn't it? He's definitely one of the players, like the three that I mentioned, that you feel he can be doing better and you feel that he has uh, enough to be playing consistent football in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have a fan question. We do, we do. We only have to win this week. But yeah, keep them coming. Anyone listening wants to get a question on air, send them to the big kickoff on any of our social media platforms. Uh, you can even send it out to myself, Nathan Doyle. You can find me on, on, on social media if you choose to do that as well. Just keep getting them in because, yeah, we love having them. Uh, this week's one is from Vanya Matney. Uh, go on this. I actually uh, really do enjoy this one. Vanya uh, asks, who currently has the best academy in the country? Uh, obviously, in terms of League of Ireland clubs, we won't be going into <laughs> Leinster senior clubs and Munster senior clubs because we could be here for a while because uh, Air Roy does love his junior football. Um, I'm guessing you're asking me to answer that first. Um, it's, I'd it's, like it, yeah. it's, it's a hard yeah. one to know because I, I, you can't really give an answer. I, I don't know them all inside out, so it's, it's, it's a very hard... I, you know clubs that are affiliated to clubs and working with clubs the likes of with Bowes I think St Kevin's are working with them St Kevin's have always had a, a good production line of, of footballers that have gone through uh, their ranks and into you know League of Ireland football and on t- across the water but even more so now these players younger and sometimes I think with St. Kevin's and Bowes, they're putting younger players out on the pitch, you know. And I've seen it, sorry, it's not just Bowes. I've seen it with Shamrock Rovers and I've seen it with, with other players that they're putting them out on the pitch at 14 or 15 or 16 years of age just to get them on the radar, going, well, if, if he can play, you know, you know, a senior game in the League of Ireland at 14, this fella must be special, you know. So, And they will be good players. Sometimes I think they're just putting them out in the shop window, but... The thing is that they are developing good players and uh, while Bows don't themselves have an academy, they have this, this affiliation, this working relationship with them. Uh, it's the same with uh, Shamrock Rovers. Uh, Shamrock Rovers have uh, uh, an affiliate with a whole load of clubs and there's, there's partner clubs. I think they have uh, three partner clubs and then they have a whole load of other, they call them affiliate clubs. So... They have, uh, of course, Luke and United are part of the Shamrock Rovers uh, uh, link up because we're on the, the same side, I suppose. But you look at, they have the likes of Killing a Manor, Jobstown, Fearhouse, Blessington, Minute, you know, Newlands, Raccoon, Lord Celtics. They've got a good chunk and there's loads more. Sorry, I, I could name them all out, but there's loads more Sacred Heart and all. But I could, lo- I could reel them out. The thing is, is that Shamrock Rovers have their own teams as well so they're not just using other people's clubs to take the players off them they're actually using those clubs to grow their fan base which I think is a is, is a very important thing to do they're getting them in they're getting the coaches into those clubs and they're they're working hard with them and you know 
they're getting free tickets for these younger kids to come over to the stadium and to watch the matches and then you know week by week different weeks some of them clubs will have uh, half time matches so they're under nines from let's say Sacred Heart to go out onto the pitch at half time and, and they'll play games at half time little matches and whatever they do that really well but they are doing their academy in the background really, really well as well, up in Roadstone. So what I've seen up there, the the, the coaching is is excellent. Um, they're bringing players through from clubs, the teams that are in the DDSL under 9s, 10s, 11s, Shamrock Rovers. They are the new, and this has t- taken so long. It's I've, I've been baffled for years upon years, but it's happening now. And Shamrock Rovers now have these teams. I could never understand it. They never had these teams and they just picked them from the likes of Cherry Archer, Luke and, you know, Kevins. And, you know, we'll try and get this player, we'll try and get that player. Now they have their own players that they're developing from a young age. Uh, so, yeah, in all the top leagues. So Shamrock Rovers, I know, are doing an, an excellent job. What about Pats, uh, Nathan? Yeah, that's that's the story that I was looking at. Like you said, it's difficult, isn't it? it, it, it you could sit here and Google how it's been hard to get on and Longford and Waterford, but I don't think you really understand the magnitude of what's going on in these academies unless you, you know, you've seen yourself, you have hands-on experience or you have a real affiliation to the club and a real understanding and a knowledge of what's happening. So, yeah, I can only, I can only really talk from the same path point of view. Um, similar to Shamrock Rovers, you know, like the, the, the affiliation we have with the likes of uh, Bally Ulster, Belvedere, Chevy Orchard, Tom United. Um, again, like you said, with Shamrock Rovers, you have young lads, um, young lads, young girls coming out at half time and playing little matches, whether that be, you know, other sides around the area, like the Primer Town, Esca, Celtic, up in Lucan, um, even Lucan yourself, you know, it's always. It's vitally important that you, you build up these connections with side, uh, side in the round uh, that, that close to your, your catchment area, just to get the interest from younger fans coming in, football clubs, youth clubs, schools, whatever it may be. Um, and it's been we can reward now having that, you know. So uh, looking at past, you now have that pathway. Random young lads do want to make the step and come into academy football with the academy now set up. Uh, the under 19 won the league 2020 under 17 15 the 14 won the league back in 2019 uh, the 15th and the 14th won the cup back in 2019 so the success grew and I know it's not all about success on that level it's just about getting the lads to first of all being, uh, enjoying the football and, and learning and developing so but if you are leaving a reward in terms of silver race, it's always nice to see that as well I think another one, if you look at the past squad, I mentioned it, uh, those Sam Cove coming in, even the fourth team, it's really, really young, very young. Uh, a lot of lads getting a good fourth team football and getting good game time. It's a Darrell Bourne, Ben McCormick, James Banquet is now starting to come in, Keen Corbley, Tom Lonerin, um, there's definitely more lads, the Josh Keen, the goalkeeper, but he's not playing, he's still learning with the likes of Barry Murphy and Beat Yarrow, so... Those lads ready to make a step up. Even Jamie Lennon, he's a product of the, of the academy. He's playing regular football with Pat, uh, Darren Murphy, Sean Hall, Jamie McGrath. These are all lads that spend time uh, in the past youth system, in the past academy, and now going off uh, playing for other clubs. And Jamie McGrath, even in his own way, doing some brilliant stuff over at the St. Mary and the SPL. So, uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, it's a good bit of pride around St. Pat, not even with me, with other fans and coaches and you know, I would listen to the same podcast. So you have um, a head of the academy, Jerry O'Brien, he'd be on, uh, on commentary. 
football apart from games now in NYTV. And the sense of pride that we have there now since overhauling the academy and since really putting uh, a structure in place and building these strong links, improving the facilities, improving the coaching. You, you can see there is a great sense of pride around that. And, um, yeah, I, I think Pats are, are definitely uh, up there with the best academy in the country. And it's good to see and long may it last. I think the only thing that you probably point out about the St. Pat's Academy is there's no underage three now teams there. Mm. So whether that could be an option to, to improve long term, I think that'd be excellent because there's no reason why there shouldn't be, you know, affiliations with, with, with young girl teams in Dublin and there's no reason why a club like St. Pat's or even like Shamrock Rovers, surely they can get an interest for a young female team to put them into the academy leagues. Yeah, so it would be interesting for us to know because we have, the basically the answer to the question is we don't really know because we haven't been around to the likes of Cove or Galway or Finn Harps and, and their academies, how they're being run, etc, etc. But um, send us on information about it. We'd love to know about how, how it's been run, how uh, the, the, the behind the scenes, these are the kind of things that you don't see, the underage sides and the people putting the work in Send on anything that you know about the clubs and uh, we'll definitely talk about it because we're, we are, we're very localised, I suppose, Nathan. We're, we're kind of focused on that one area. It's very hard to get a, a feeling unless you're around that kind of thing. Um, and that's it. We're going to leave that there, Nathan. Nathan, again, we have... Oh, yeah, of course. Jeez, we nearly forgot. We've got games at the weekend. Huh? I just oh, ne- yeah. nearly <laughs> talked about that. Yeah, uh, the, the, small, the, the, the small matter of games. <laughs> but the, the, there might be a certain game on uh, Shamrock Rovers versus St. Pat's is on at 8 o'clock on Friday night. Um, again, Drogheda, we play in Waterford, Cork, UCD, Athlone, Treaty, Shelbourne, Cove, Cabinteely, Bray, Wexford and Galway on the Friday night, Saturday night, Longford and Derry. And then on Monday night, there are two games, Finnharps versus Bowes and Sligo versus Dundalk, which are tasty in themselves. So, yeah, there's plenty of football to go on. Join us on the League of Ireland Sports Bar, the big kickoff League of Ireland Sports Bar on YouTube, or you can catch it on our Facebook group, which you just need to like, or even on Twitter. Go ahead and like us on Twitter, and we're on LinkedIn and uh, a few other things. Uh, just type in the big kickoff and you'll find us, the big kickoff League of Ireland. Thanks very much, Nathan. Thanks very much as always, and we'll see you next week.